something else. And actually, what we're going to look at today in First John is that's exactly what he's dealing with. And I find when we come across these places, we get sort of two, there's two ends of the spectrum. There's the, there's the skeptic, right? Maybe you're the skeptic. Just, but not just about like maybe Christianity, but just about things in general. I don't believe it until I see it, right? And that could be about anything. Like, oh, this is the, this is the best movie out. Like, yeah, I don't know about that. I got to go see it first. Best hamburger in town. I don't know about that. I got to taste it first. And so you have, there's, and we all have a little bit of skeptic in us. But there's the skeptic that says, until I see it, until I try it, until I, I, I sense it with my own, my own senses, I'm not going to believe it. They work really hard not to believe. The skeptic often thinks that everybody's lying to me. On the other end of the spectrum is the person who's trusting. The other one, the skeptic assumes everybody's lying. The, 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 the overly trusting person assumes everybody's telling the truth. And I'm going to believe it until I have reason to not believe it. And this can be problematic as well. You know, the, the skeptic, when, when, when too extreme, is like the conspiracy theorist, right? Mm-mm. Everybody's lying. Nothing can be trusted. It's all, it's all a ploy. But on the other hand, the, 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 the overly trusting person can sometimes be seen as, as, as gullible or naive, right? Um, I read it on the internet, so it's got to be true kind of stuff. Like, no, no, like you should weigh these things. I find it interesting sometimes is that the skeptic and the overly trusting person, they, they marry each other. And, I, and actually, I think there's this beautiful like, marriage where they, balance, they actually balance each other out. Be like, you can't trust anybody. Well, we should trust somebody. Like, we have to trust people. But then on the other end, it's like, well, he said he needed it. Like, no, no, he didn't need it. He was lying to you. And so there, there can be this balance. But we have this, there's this issue. Like, how do we weigh, how do we weigh messages and their value? I think about our culture and our world today. It's a very, very problematic, is it not? How do I know when I'm being told the truth? And is it as easy as just saying, well, that, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. I, I disagree with that. So that's a lie. But my question is, how do, like, how do we know? I mean, if, if, I mean, you think about, we're gonna, some of you guys are going to watch the Super Bowl later on today, but you think about all of the messages through all of the marketing, through everything that you're going to hear, and if you obeyed and listened to and, and submitted to every message that you're going to hear just from like now until the rest of the day, you would go in a thousand different directions. And we are actually living in some ways that we are at the same time, we're getting these multiple messages. At the same time, we're also being told that all messages are equally valid. That's what it means to live in a pluralistic society, a culture. All messages are equally valid, which I would say, I don't think that that's true. And I don't think you think that's true. We have to be able to weigh the validity of, of, message, of messages. How do we know? I think that if you are here and you are not a Christian and you're skeptical of, of Christianity, I think you're wise on that. I think as we're going to find out today that, 
that, that, that this, the word tells us you should, you should be skeptical. But that, not that your skepticism would move to disbelief, but your skepticism would move you into investigation. Let me check this out. What's the weight? What's being said? And who's saying it? And so with that, if you have your Bibles, let's start. Let's go into 1 John chapter 4, which is where we are starting this morning. We're going to go in verse 1, and we're going to carry it down through verse 6 this morning. It starts with this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Let me read that again. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so what John says here, he says, I want you to test every spirit. Why? Because there's a lot of spirits out in the world and some of them are false and some of them are true. But I want you to test every spirit. And by every spirit and all spirit, what he's also saying is he goes, I want you to test the spirit of God. Not put God to the test, but test the spirit to say, is this spirit a spirit from God? Because we're supposed to we test them all. And sometimes I think that we go, oh, we're only supposed to investigate the ones that are invalid. But we don't know if they're invalid or valid unless we actually test them. And John says you had better do it. There's, there's two imperatives in this, in this statement here. And these are the two. Which is, don't believe everything, every spirit, and test all of the spirits. I find it interesting that often Christianity is labeled as intellectually lazy. Oh, they just believe because they want to believe. And I go, if you are intellectually lazy as a Christian, you're not being biblical. Because what actually, even, I mean, here, I can go to other places, but here actually John is saying, I want your mind to be engaged. I want you to test. Because there are deceptive spirits out there. And they're on the move. And there's the Spirit of God, and He's on the move too. And you have to be able to distinguish which is which. So as I told you, I was in Portland, then I was in L.A. as well. And, and if that would tell you anything, is that I spent a lot of time in airports. And uh, I've come to, this may sound weird to you, but I've come to appreciate the TSA. Um, for the, at the risk of stating the obvious, uh, I, I am not a terrorist. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I don't, I haven't said my roots. <laughs> That's the one quote you're going to get from today. He said he's not a terrorist, uh, Josh Lane, uh, sermon on Sunday morning. But I'm not, I'm not. But when I, when I, go, when I go to the TSA, they, they check me out. Now, I just want to get where I'm going safely. That's all I want to do. I want to get where I'm going safely, and I want the same for everybody else that I'm traveling with. TSA, they, they know that that the vast majority of the people are trying to get where they want to go and get there safely. But they know that there's another spirit at work. A spirit that would try to stop that. A spirit that would try to end that. And because of that, although it could be a small, small portion, they test everybody. And the test is, Somewhat extensive, right? I mean, it's not just, I don't just go up there and they go, hey, are you, a, are you a terrorist? No. Okay, come on through. Are you a terrorist? No. Then come on through. 
What do they do? I got. They, they check my ID. Are you who you say you are? They check my ticket, my boarding pass. Are, do you actually have a flight today? Are you supposed to be on a flight? Do you have, you have business here? And then the answer to those questions are yes, you are who you say you are. You are on a flight. Okay, come on through. Then I take my shoes off. I take my, my belt off. Take my computer out. Throw it through the, you know, and then I go through a metal detector. And on the way to Portland, I got the extra special investigation. And I, oh, you've, you've alerted. And it's easy to be bothered by that, but, but I know what they're doing. They, they know that there's, there's another spirit out there. And so what do they do? They test, they test everybody. And, and what John says, I want you to test all of the spirits. Why? Why? Because there are spirits out there that are not from God. Don't mistake spirituality for godliness. Don't mistake spirituality for godliness. We're told right now that we live in a culture that is, that is becoming increasingly spiritual but decreasingly Christian. That's what they say about America. We're increasing in our spirituality, but we're decreasing in our Christianity. And there's part of that statement that excites me. There's part of that statement that scares me. The part of that statement that's, that, that, that excites me is go, if we're becoming more spiritual, I'm like, fantastic, because we have got the corner on the market with the Holy Spirit. I mean, he is, he is the Spirit, as we're going to find out. He's the most powerful Spirit. Christianity is filled with spirituality, and not just fake spirituality, but, but true spirituality. The part of that that scares me is I go, I know there's a lot of other spirits out there. And where the Spirit of God is looking to heal you and help you and save you, there's another spirit out there that would like to kill, steal, and destroy what you have and who you are. And so there's this concern of me and often I find, really, this is where I struggle the most in this, is, is, is testing the spirits. Because I want to know, I want to know which is from God and which is not. And John says, in a good way, you need to test them all. You need to send them all through the security check to see how they, how they come up. And so then he tells us how to do this in verse 2. He says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world. We talked about the Antichrist a few weeks ago. We said that there's the, the, the term is, is literally just Antichrist. They're not, they're, there's pro-Christ, those are for Christ, and there's those that are against Christ. And really, the scriptures say you're either one or the other. Now, when we, talk, when we hear the word Antichrist, we go, oh, we think Revelation. I think Revelation says, yes, there is a capital A Antichrist coming, but right now there's a whole bunch of little A Antichrists that are running around, right? And before you were a Christian, you were, you were not pro-Christ, you were Antichrist. But if you're a Christian now, you are pro-Christ. And what, what he's saying is that, 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 that there's a lot of that spirit running around. And you have to test. And so how do you know? How do you know? Which is the good or which is the bad? When we speak of, you know, spirituality, mistaking spirituality for godliness, 
We would say there's good spirits and bad spirits out there. And I'd say if you're just spiritual, how do you know which is good and which is bad? I think about Wizard of Oz, right? Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a witch at all. No, no, no. Are you a good witch or are you a bad witch? And I go, how do we distinguish? If you're, not a, if you're not a Christian, and you go, but I'm spiritual, my question for you is, how do you distinguish between the good spiritual and the bad spiritual? And which one are you? Well, I think most people would say, well, I'm the good spiritual, right? I mean, I, there's a small population that would say, well, I'm the bad spiritual, just so you know. Like, oh, whoa. I think most of us, most people that are, are, are spiritual but not Christian would say, well, I'm, I'm the good kind. I'm the good kind. But I go, but how do you know? I just, I just know. Like, that's almost like TSA saying, like, so how do you know the terrorist? And they go, well, we just know. Okay, I'm not comfortable with that answer, right? I am not comfortable with that answer. Like, how do you know who the terrorist? I think I know them when I see them. I'm actually less comfortable with that answer. Like, oh, yeah, we, uh, when we see them, we know. Like, no, I want to know. How do we know? And, and, if, and if you're spiritual but not Christian, what I would say is, I'm going to push you on this, but how do you know with the good spirit and the bad spirit? And I would encourage you to get beyond just the, well, this is just what I know. Now, if you are a Christian, I think this is the answer that he gives us. I think the answer that he gives us here is he goes, well, what's the Spirit saying about Jesus? What's the Spirit saying about Jesus? That Jesus, the Messiah, so God, that God has come in flesh. That's what he's saying. That the Messiah has come in the flesh. That God himself has come in flesh. And, and truth be told is that if you tell me what you think about Jesus, I could probably tell you the other 95% of your theology. It's interesting that almost every religion deals with Jesus. Either he's a God or he's a man. You look at the other religions, all of them almost deal with Jesus. Is he a God or is he a man? Some will say he's just a man, but he was a, he was a godly kind of man. Some will say that he was, he was a man that, that became God. In Christianity, what we say is that he's fully God and fully man. There was never a time that he was not. He always was, always has been, and always will be. He's eternal, and yet he is in flesh. Now, that's a, that's a rare thought, and this is what he's saying. He goes, what's the Spirit saying about, about Jesus? Because if Jesus is God, if he is God in flesh, that has major implications to everything else that's going to be said. See, if Jesus is just a prophet, or he's just a, a wise sage, then when he tells us to do things, we go, that's good advice. I'm going to ponder what you just said. But if he really is God, then what he said is not a suggestion, but an edict to be followed. And so he says, what's the Spirit saying about the Son? The Spirit of God glorifies the Son of God. The Spirit of God glorifies the Son of God. That's what he's saying. And actually, Jesus says that too. He goes, the Spirit is going to come and bring me glory. So if the Spirit is actually, the Spirit that's coming is glorifying Jesus, that's a really good sign that that is the Spirit of God. 
Because the Spirit of God glorifies the Son of God. I'll give you an example of this, maybe. You're trying to figure out if you should offer forgiveness. Now, this is a, this is a, this is a softball one. But you're trying to figure out if you should offer forgiveness. And you get some advice. And one person says, I think you should. I think you should. Christ has forgiven you. Christ came and died for you. Christ said then also, you should forgive other people. How many times? A whole bunch. And so actually Christ requires it of you to forgive. Stink. Then you hear somebody else, they say, they're giving you their opinion. And they go, don't don't forgive them. Why would you forgive them? They're not sorry. Don't forgive them. Hold animosity. They don't deserve it. Now we've got two, two messages. You should forgive because Christ has forgiven you. You should hold on to the, the animosity, the hurt, and the pain because they don't deserve it. And we go, one of those messages, one of them glorifies the Son and the other does not. The other one moves you to Jesus. The other one does not. As I'm trying to sort out the messages, one of the questions I'll ask myself is, is the Spirit putting Jesus on the throne or taking him off the throne of my life? Is this message, and if I embrace this message, is it taking Christ off the throne or is it putting or keeping him on the throne? What John says here is that the Spirit of God glorifies the Son of God. I found that as I mature more as a Christian... This becomes a little easier, right? Maybe I was, I, was, I was younger in my faith. This was more difficult. And I think it's become easier for two reasons, at least two reasons. One of the reasons is because I become more familiar with his word, right? I understand what's being said here, that what God is saying will not contradict what he has said. And so I didn't know his word as well when I was younger, right? So maybe, maybe I would come like, hmm, so uh, God helps those who help themselves. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's in there somewhere. It seems like, and then I come like, nope, that's, that's actually not, not in there at, at all. That's, that's disappointing. And so, and complicating my life, right? And so it doesn't say that. So as I become more familiar with God's word and what he has said, I've been able to have a clearer picture of what he is saying. The other thing, number two, is as I have grown in my intimacy and my relationship with Jesus, I've learned more of his likes and dislikes. You think about any great relationship, right? You spend enough time with somebody, you start to think to themselves, yeah, yeah, they don't like potatoes. They don't like potatoes. Like they don't, they're, they're anti-potato, you know. They, they don't like that, and so they, they don't order that. But if you know somebody really well and their tastes and their likes and their dislikes, you can almost order for them. But that comes out of a relationship. So as I have learned more about the Word of God, and as I have drawn more closer in intimacy with the Word of God in flesh, Jesus, is that it's been easier to distinguish His will. And so John says, test them. Is the Spirit glorifying the Son? And if the Spirit isn't glorifying the Son, then that Spirit is not from God. It's an anti-Christ, an anti-Christ Spirit. Verse 4, little children, 
You are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, this is actually probably the most, one of the most famous statements in, in, in the first John, right? He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And I love this because actually what it says is that you have overcome them. Not you will. Not you are overcoming them. But you have overcome them. Because why? Because you're awesome? No. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And I think he brings this up right now because what's he talking about? He's talking about spirits and about messages. And he goes, you need to know that the the greatest power is in the spirit of God, not the spirit of the world. Jesus, when he's talking, he says there's going to come spirits and they're going to be powerful. They're going to actually be able to perform lots of signs and do wonderful things. But don't mistake power for godliness. Just because they're powerful doesn't mean that they're the all-powerful. And so don't, don't be afraid of them. Know that they have power, but don't mistake the power from it being from God. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You've overcome them. I think he's also saying this because the other spirits are going to be wise. But they're not going to have ultimate wisdom. I've seen people listen to messages from other spirits. And part of the message was wise. But the other part of the message was foolishness. And so then they applied the wisdom part along with the foolishness part. And you go, and that's, what, that's actually what the, the false does. You read Genesis 3. That's what actually the, the, the spirit of this world, that's what Satan does. I'm going to take part of what's true and I'm going to mix it with something that's false so that you apply both the wisdom and the foolishness, but in the end, you're still the fool. We see that with Satan also with tempting Jesus. He takes scripture, but then parts it with some, some foolishness in trying to get Jesus to be the fool. But Jesus keeps on applying the wisdom of God because he is the wisdom of God. So he says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I think another reason why he says this is because, it's because the spirit that is in the world cannot silence the spirit of God. So if, God, if, if you're actually wanting to hear God's spirit, is that the, 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 the spirit of this world cannot keep that from happening. I think this is a big deal. Because I think a lot of times one of our fears, one of your fears is probably like, I... What happens if I can't hear God? You go, actually, that's not even a thing because God has his ability to get his power, by his power, to get his word in you and to you and through you. And I think about God's main problem in the Bible is not people who long to hear his voice but just can't figure it out. His problem, his main problem in the Bible and, and the main problem that you have with God and the main problem I have with God is, is when we know exactly what he what we what he, what we're supposed to do, what he wants us to do, and we just don't want to do it. I go, it's 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 not a problem of understanding; it's a problem of obedience. And he says, the spirit of God, this, the spirit that is is in you, not even around you or over you. The spirit that is in you is greater than the spirit that is in the world. And so he says, what I want you to do is, I want you to evaluate the message, what's being said. 
Is it glorifying the Son? Is it putting Jesus on the throne or taking him off the throne? What's the message? And then he moves to, and I want you to ask another question, who's the messenger? That's what he says in verse four, uh, 5 and 6. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And so he says, I want you to evaluate the message. Is it glorifying Jesus? And I want you to evaluate the messenger. Who's saying it? And who are they saying it to? Is it somebody that's not a Christian saying it to non-Christians? Be cautious of that. I read, by the way, I I read non-Christian books by non-Christian authors. What? Scandalous. And actually, I've I've read some non-Christian books by some non-Christian authors that have been helpful. And I I read, I go, oh, that's actually, that's really helpful. And, And when I hear that, that reminds me of what Jesus says over here. But I keep in mind the whole time, this is a non-Christian author writing to a non-Christian audience. And so I'm, ca- I'm, I'm, I'm much more cautious. I'm much more on alert. Every message that comes through, I'm like, mm, 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 can I apply that? Is that wisdom and foolishness? Sometimes I'll go, that's the wisdom, that's the foolishness. That goes out, I keep that, that's good. But I, I, I'm more aware, I, I'm more on, on edge But then there's these authors that I have, that I read, that I trust, that are Christians. And they speak to my soul. Think about like an old school, like a Charles Spurgeon. And I go, I'm going to trust him. And he'll say some stuff to me in one of his books. I go, that's, that's crazy talk. And then the Spirit of God be like, no, it's not. I'm like, dang it, dang it, that's, that's tough. That's hard to hear. But but I'm more allowing it to speak to me and my soul. Because I know where he's coming from and I know who he's speaking to that allows me to give it more trust. Now, I still verify. I still, I still check it. But there's a difference. And what John is saying here, he's going, if they're speaking, if they're from the world speaking to the world, you need to know that. Check the messenger. The messenger matters. And if they're speaking from God to God's people, know that. I think that this also happens when we get advice. Sometimes I'll, I'll get advice from a, from a Christian or a non-Christian, and they'll give me advice, and I'll say, okay, okay. And some of it may be wise. I've got to filter that out. But when I hear my mentor speak, who's a strong, faithful, mature Christian, I assume sometimes that he's got a better view than I do. What's the message and who's the messenger? How do we know if a word is from God? Check the message. Is it glorifying Jesus? And check the messenger. It's one of the beautiful things I think about Jesus. Is that he is the message and the messenger. That his message, his word, the word, not only is the word inerrant, but he is inerrant. Not only is his message trustworthy, but he is trustworthy. 
And I think this is one of the reasons why, 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 why you can build your life on Christ because the messenger and the message are both from God. And both, well, the, the, it is the word of God as God. And so he can be trusted. Now to get some, some practical things, some of which I've already mentioned. I think that if you're, if you're not a Christian and you're here, I think if, if, if I were you, I would investigate the message and messenger of Jesus Christ. Don't just dismiss him. Don't just write him off. It's like, well, he was a wise sage. No, 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 no. No. You can actually do this. You can read. You can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You can read the Gospels. You can, you can check out the character of Jesus. Is he trustworthy? And you can check out his message. What is he saying? And don't, don't base Christianity on what other Christians have said. Well, I heard a Christian say this once. Oh, they, just because they said this is what Christ said doesn't mean that's what Christ said. What did he say? Who is the message, what's the message and who is the messenger? Now, if you are a Christian, and maybe you actually have been trying to sort out what's God and what's you. How do I know? Well, here's some things that I do. One is that I begin to ask for discernment from God. I think God honors this, 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 this request. If I'm trying to sort out, I, I, I got this message and this message. I don't know which one's from you, God. I say, God, I, I'm trying to discern your will. I'm trying to discern what you're asking of me and what you want me to do. Would you help me? By your spirit, you, you, would you, your spirit is greater than my spirit. Your spirit is greater than the spirit of the world. Would your spirit be louder than all of them? Would you just help me discern? That's where I start. Then I go to, what does God's word say? Is there something in here that, that would either affirm it or contradict it? Does one of the messages resonate more with this? And if you need help with that, you could ask me. You could say, wait, what does the Bible say about this? I love those questions. What does the Bible say about this? Well, this is what the Bible says about that. Like, I didn't even know it addressed that. It does address that. And this is what it says. <sighs> okay. I love that somebody came to me not too long ago and they said, they said, what do I believe about this? And I love that question because it was like, I'm a Christian. I believe that the word of God is true. So tell me, what do I believe about this? good so i'll say what does god's word say then i'll start to reflect is one of the messages a message that takes jesus off the throne or puts him on the throne is one of the messages ones that that makes me the lord of my life or was one of the messages the one that that, that reaffirms or establishes that christ is the lord of my life and after i work through some of those things the last thing i do not the last thing i do but one of the last things i do is I'll seek out some godly counsel. Somebody that I know loves Jesus. There's trust in his word. When I say, I think God's asking me to sacrifice, it go, yeah, it sounds like he is. It sounds like if I do this, I'm going to put myself in harm's way, but I think it's what God's asking. Yeah, it sounds like it's what he's asking. And I let the godly counsel speak to me. And I can tell you this. If I ask for God's discernment, and I'm open to that, if I seek out what his word says, 
and I'm open to that. And if I seek out what's the thought, the, the message that takes Christ off the throne and the one that puts him on the throne, if I'm open to that. And if I seek out godly counsel and I'm open to that. I've had rarely a time where I haven't been able to figure out what God is saying. It's actually been really, really amazing how all of them start to sound together. And I may not like the sound. I go, oh, that's what I was afraid of. (laughs) I was afraid that's what it was. But they start to resonate. And then through this process, it becomes clear. I love the fact that we're called to, commanded to wrestle with what are the spirits of God and what are not. Because in that wrestling, I think we show our value of God, our relationship with him, and our obedience to him. And through that wrestling process, we take what's God's and begin to own it for ourselves. You're hearing a lot of messages right now. Even my message, I expect you to weigh it. And my my prayer for you is as a community, individually and, and corporately, that we would be people that, that are able, that are mature and able to distinguish the spirit of God and the spirit of this world. And the last thing, that as America becomes more spiritual but less Christian, this becomes a lot more important. It will increase in importance, not decrease It's going to to need to come into clarity. It's not going to fade away. And so may it be true of us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you that you are the perfect message and the perfect messenger. God, and I know that we have all come here this morning hearing multiple messages, multiple messages, multiple different kinds of spirits the spirit of this world, your spirit, the mingling of that that is us at times. I pray that we would have clarity. God, I pray that you would give us discernment, that we'd be able to discern your spirit. We pray that you would reveal to us in your word what you have said, that that what you are saying will not contradict what you have said. We pray that we'd be able to understand the message that takes you off the throne between the one that puts you on the throne. We pray that we'd be able to find and seek out godly counsel, discernment, not just internally, but discernment through community. We thank you for that. We thank you that you are powerful, you are stronger, That your spirit that is in us has overcome and defeated, past tense defeated, the spirit that is in this world. May we share in that victory. We love you. We pray for these things in your name. Amen.